Hello and welcome to the In All Seriosity podcast. I'm Patrick Fueling and with me is Matt Mizek and we are part of the leadership team here at Grace Community Church. Matt, welcome to episode four. Hey, good to be here. Today we are going to start a mini-series about how to read the Bible well. Now there are really many areas we can go with this, Matt, but today we're going to start with context. So uh, one of the questions I wrestle with, Matt, a lot is, how do you read the Bible? You know, it can be, do I read a certain amount of verses? Do I understand the historical context of it? Um, there's so many challenges with that, Matt. So yeah. what do you think about some of that? I mean, there's been countless times where I'm, I'm reading and I have no clue what I just read. And I go back and I reread it and I still don't have any clue what, I, what I'm reading. And sometimes it can feel really overwhelming, uh, particularly in maybe some of the passages in the Bible that are a little more challenging. Uh, I think sometimes the Gospels can be a little bit easier to read. We feel comfortable there, but some of the Old Testament passages and some of the New Testament letters can feel a little tricky, uh, and we don't quite know where to start. So yeah, it's uh, reading the Bible well is a very difficult thing. It sounds really easy, but it's not. Yeah, definitely uh, a lot of things, as we talk about context, a lot of verses can come can be taken out of context. And there's a couple that just off the top of my head, I think of, you know, Romans eight twenty eight. you know, yeah. it says, and we know that uh, for those who love God, all things work together for good for those that are called to, according to his purpose. But there's a much larger context there. And, and that also with Jeremiah 29, where 11 and 12 is probably the most, you know, one of the yeah. verses that people have bracelets about and, you know, yeah, of course. it's their, their life verse. And, uh, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, but, but the, the verse where it talks about, for I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord. You know, plans for welfare and not for evil to give you hope in a future. You forget the first part of that verse and or that that context of that in in, in verse ten. It talks about the seventy years where uh, the Israelites are going to be suffering and um, where they're going to be overtaken by Babylon and, yeah. and and basically it's about restoring the nation. But there's going to be a long suffering period following that. Um, but we in our society today we are kind of like a hallmark culture in a lot of ways where we want to hear the good things and the things that make us feel good, but it's important when we read the Bible to make sure we understand the complete context of what the Lord's really trying to say and say to us about that. Yeah, it's not exactly as though those things are bad or those verses can't be life verses, you know, or they can't be meaningful to us. They're, that's what the, the text is for, is to, you know, edify and, and grow us. Uh, but when we miss some of the context behind some of those verses, it can lead to some bad interpretations. And, you know, the one I always think of is uh, Matthew 18. Uh, it says, for where two or three are gathered in my name, I'm there with them. And that has become like a hallmark verse for small groups or for people to get together over coffee and discuss things about God. And again, it's not that the application of that is bad or, you know, misguided or things like that. But that section of, in scripture is about church discipline and what to do when somebody won't listen to you and you're supposed to bring one or two people with you and then two or three people with you and then bring it to the rest of the church. And so that uh, passage really is the closing verse of the church discipline section, not necessarily referring to you and two friends getting coffee. Uh, although, again, the applications of those things can be helpful and, and applied to different lives. But yeah, context is so important. So that's what we're going to talk a little bit about today, um, you know, in terms of what to look for as we're as we're reading the Bible and, and what does context really mean. So there's a few different verses that we had that we're just going to talk briefly about that yeah. where you can when you read these face value, you think, oh, that's interesting, or it means something totally different. Yeah. But when you realize what the real the contextual value of it is, it's a lot 
a lot more meaningful. Yeah, some of these, like if you just had this, you'd have no idea what it's saying. And some of these, if you just had this, you'd have the completely wrong idea. Uh, so yeah, just a little fun thing to show some of the stranger verses in the Bible. Uh, first is 1 Timothy 5, 23, where Paul tells Timothy to stop drinking only water and use a little wine because of your stomach and your frequent illnesses. So uh, yeah, that's a good one. Uh, if we just had that, uh, what would we know about Paul and Timothy? Might, might make a, a, a different interpretation of uh, some of their adventures together. Yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, another one over in Matthew five forty two. It says, do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. And so, you know, is Jesus saying, every time somebody asks you for something, you must give it to them and you must allow them to either walk all over you or, um, you know, every time your neighbor asks you for your lawnmower uh, or for some sugar or something like that, is it, is it your responsibility to, to give something to them? Yeah, this one's really good. We talked about this in Impact actually last week. Uh, if anyone comes to me and does not hate their own father and mother, their wife and their children, their brothers and their sisters, yet even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. So, Pat, do you hate your wife? I do not hate my wife. Yeah. Do you think we're supposed to hate our wives? And we're not supposed to hate our wives. We're supposed to really love our wives well. And yeah. Uh, But yeah, when you read it just at face value again like that, you're thinking, hmm, what's Jesus really getting at here? Yeah. But uh, yeah. That, uh, that's why you need the context and understand what it really means, uh, especially uh, to be a follower of, of Christ. Yeah. Speaking of wives, this one's a good one. First uh, Corinthians seven twenty nine. For from now on, those who have a wife should live as though they do not. Do you yeah. think Carrie would appreciate that? I don't think Carrie would appreciate that, nor would Kara. But <laughs> no. I'm sure there are a few men on the uh, planet that would really, uh, yeah, possibly like to do that. But uh, that's possibly. not what uh, the Bible. Hopefully, uh, that's really nobody's life. Hopefully, that's nobody's life first. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. Uh, Psalm 14, verse 1, uh, it says, there is no God. Uh, well, they're missing a part of that, aren't they? missing a very key part of that, the first part of that, that says, uh, the fool says there is no God. Uh, but yeah, the Bible tells us there is no God if you ignore all context and meaning. First um, Corinthians eleven, fourteen 14, says, if a man has long hair, uh, it is a disgrace to him. So, well, I think the disciples would have had a problem with that back in the day. Yeah, based, John based the Baptist. On, based on pictures we saw and uh, like <laughs> what, what, uh, how John's described as well. John the Baptist really does not like that verse. Uh, and then finally, 1 Corinthians 14, uh, women should remain silent in the churches. They are not allowed to speak. Yeah, I'm sure that would go over really well with the women in our church today. Yeah, yeah. And even in that, like Paul can't be meaning that literally uh, because just a few chapters before he gives women instructions on how to prophesy in the church. And so it's like, okay. And the example we're going to talk a little bit about later too, uh, we'll, we'll see that women are such an integral part of the yeah. life of Christ. And well, it may be even a topic down the road for more discussion about women uh, as well as how in the church and different roles and so forth. But yeah. women are, are so exalted by Jesus and, mm-hmm. Uh, if you just take this as, as a standalone verse, you would never have thought about yeah. that. Or people can misinterpret that yeah. and abuse it and, and take it in different ways that aren't healthy. Yeah, of course. Uh, so those are just some funny little verses that, you know, upon first glance, if you just had that, you would have no clue what you're reading or you'd come to very wrong conclusions about what Jesus is teaching. And so we really want today to talk a little bit more about just what are the things that we look for when we read the Bible? What what helps us, particularly when we're thinking about context? Back at Moody, I remember a professor that 
would always say, context is king, context is king, context is king. And it got so repeated that, you know, we kind of made fun of it. But it really is true that the context of what we're reading is just so important to understanding its meaning. And so we have four things that we thought might be helpful, uh, you know, what to look for in the text. So the first one of those is, is what is the verse saying within the larger book or letter itself? Uh, do you see repeated words or terms or things mm-hmm. that, uh, that stand out? How, the second one is, how does this verse fit into the larger storyline of Scripture? Yeah. Uh, there are some things that we'll talk about in a different podcast that, uh, where the New Testament is referencing back to things that were written in the Old Testament. Yeah. Uh, the third is, what is the historical uh, context? Uh, what's the background information? What were some of the cultural mores and social mores of the time uh, that, if you knew that, would really help give you a, just a more vivid understanding of what the uh, text is saying? And lastly, what is the uh, social context? Uh, of the text that you're reading. Okay, Matt, so we're going to take a look at a real life example found in Mark 14. And what I'm going to do is read uh, verses three through nine, and then we'll talk a little bit about why These verses don't really give us the whole story. Jesus anointed at Bethany. And while he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he was reclining at a table, a woman came with an alabaster flask of ointment of pure nard, which was very costly. And she broke the flask and poured it over his head. Now there were some who said to themselves indignantly, Why was this ointment wasted like that? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they scolded her, but Jesus said, Leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you, and whenever you want, you can do good for them. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. And truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. All right, so this... Uh, is a really fascinating passage in the book of Mark. Uh, it's actually told in several of the Gospels, slightly different details. But what, Pat, what would you say, like, if we just read those verses, what would be kind of the takeaway from the meaning of this verse or these passages? What's kind of, what's the important things about this? Well, Jesus seems to be admonishing um people for someone that's really doing a loving thing to Jesus, which we're going to see. But when you just read this face value, you think, well, first off, why is she pouring perfume on him? What's the purpose of that? Yeah. And, you know, is she being selfish by not giving this money that she yeah. could have sold this for to the poor? Uh, so when you read it that way, it, it gives you a different view of what these verses are really saying. But that's really not the total picture when you, when you look at it. Yeah, if we just read that, it becomes a story about somebody doing something good for Jesus, which, again, that's not a bad interpretation. Uh, it's just an incomplete one um, if we don't read the context surrounding this. So uh, what I'm going to do now is read the verse, uh, the two verses before and the two verses after what Pat just read for us. Now the Passover and the festival of unleavened bread were only two days away and the chief priests and the teachers of the law were scheming to arrest Jesus secretly and to kill him. But not during the festival, they said, or the people may riot. So those are the two verses before and then the two verses directly after. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priests to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted to hear this and promised to give him money. So he watched for an opportunity to hand him over. 
what we see at the beginning and the end of this passage is the chief priests and the teachers of the law uh, first scheming to arrest Jesus and to kill him, uh, and then second, one of the actual disciples, Judas, betraying Jesus to those same chief priests and those Pharisees. So we have three characters here, or I guess we don't want them into two, the chief priests and the te- uh, teachers of the law, and then Judas, one of the disciples. So now that we know that, Pat, what would maybe you say the meaning uh, change? How would you say the meaning changes just a little bit? Well, first off, you, Jesus is at the, uh, at the house of a leper, which yep. you know, were basically pariahs. They were people that no one would even want to come in contact with, more or less uh, be in the house with. And also a woman, women at that time were also looked down upon yep. and they were not respected by men. And so you see it's two different, this real dichotomy of, you have the, the Jewish leaders and Judas, who's supposed to be a follower of Jesus, yep. and they're complete opposite ends of what the leper is doing by inviting Jesus into the house, and then this woman is doing by pouring uh, this uh, perfume over Jesus. Yeah. And what it, you know, it signifies, you know, it talks about the burial. Uh, it's basically foreshadowing the, uh, the uh, burial and the death of Jesus. And back in those times, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but that was that the perfume was actually used to help prepare the body for death itself. Yeah. And so you have, when you read this in context here, you're seeing that Jesus is reaching out to, in some ways, the unlovables mm-hmm. and is showing them what really true love is. And yet you have these leaders that are supposed to be God-fearing men and, and Judas, who's supposed to be a follower of Jesus, are doing the complete opposite. They're criticizing, they're, they're looking out about for, for greed and money and, and power. And uh, it's just a, a stark contrast, really, of who Jesus is and, and uh, how he was uh, you know, in the Bible here. Yeah, when we read this, ver- this story in light of what's before and what's after, we see a very stark contrast between the insiders and the outsiders. The people like Judas and the tax collectors—sorry, not the tax collectors—the teachers of the law and the scribes and the chief priests, those who are supposed to be insiders in God's kingdom, while a leper and an unnamed woman uh, were those who society would consider outsiders as less than and as definitely outside the kingdom of God. And so the contrast cannot be more clear between these two people. We even see it in Judas. Judas trades money, or he actually trades Jesus for money, whereas this woman gives up her most, probably her most expensive asset uh, to anoint Jesus. So he's trading Jesus for money. She's trading her money to do something well for Jesus. And so what we see really in the Gospel of Mark is a really big theme of the women disciples being faithful to Jesus and the male disciples oftentimes being faithless or failing. And particularly from Mark chapter 12 through the end of the story, because we see things like this. We see the male disciples Um, when they're supposed to be keeping watch over Jesus while he's praying in the garden in uh, chapter 14, verses 37 through 38, they fall asleep and uh, these people come to arrest Jesus. So they fall asleep after Jesus tells them to keep watch. They betray him after they swear they won't. Uh, They betray him uh, with Judas. Um, They deny him three times with Peter. Uh, and believe it or not, there in Mark's gospel, there are no men, uh, male disciples present at the crucifixion. And finally, to top it all off, they don't believe the report of the resurrected Jesus, which is told to them by uh, some of the women in chapter 16, verses 9 through 12. In contrast to all of those disappointments and all of those failures, 
failures. You see the women in the passion narrative. Uh, they're loyal and they're faithful. You see a servant girl uh, recognizes Peter as a disciple of Jesus, first of all, uh, before Peter denies Jesus. We see four named and many unnamed women are present at the crucifixion. They see where the body of Jesus is laid, uh, and they are actually the first witnesses of the resurrected Jesus, and they are the ones who are told to tell the male disciples. So we see this uh, theme of Mark, where the women are faithful and the men are faithless, become really present here in this particular story. When we get the insiders, the male insiders, failing, and the women outsiders um, succeeding or being faithful where, where the men are not. And so if you read that, again, if you were just to read those you know, six verses in the middle, you would, it would almost be a different way of looking at, uh, at, the, at, at the woman in, in particular here. And yet when you see the full context of that, it again, it just en- encapsulates how much Jesus loves everyone and loves everyone in such a way that uh, you know, we strive to do, but obviously we're going to always fall short of. But it's just a great, uh, great visual picture of his love for all of us. Yeah, and you see um, in verse 8, it says, She did what she could. That's Jesus' words to her. She did what she could. Uh, earlier in Mark chapter 12, uh, we see a woman who, again, does all that she could in service to God. And this is the story where Jesus praises the offering of a woman who gives two coins uh, at the temple. And he praises her more than the uh, large offering of the wealthy because he describes her as someone who had put everything she had, all she had to live on. Um, And so we see this phrase, all she could or all she had, uh, be repeated here in this section. And then lastly, uh, we see that this woman uh, gives all she has for Jesus, and he tells her that her memory or her actions will go on for all of eternity. He says, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Do you remember what the Bible says about uh, what Judas did, Pat? About like, uh, well, I guess I'll just tell you. He says uh, that Judas, it would have been better for Judas to never have been born. Right, right. So we see Judas, it would be better for him to never have been born, while this woman, what she does, will be remembered for eternity. And so there's a really big contrast there. Especially when you think of Judas as one of the 12 that was called by Jesus specifically. Yeah. And yet he's the one that uh, just betrays Jesus, and, and uh, yet this woman, this unknown woman, is, is memorialized forever uh, in, in Scripture. Yeah. And so this woman... Uh, here in this verse, or this passage, continues the theme in Mark's gospel of, of Jesus being the one to usher in this upside-down nature of the kingdom of God, that who's in, or who we think is in, is really far away, and who we think should be far away is really brought near. And that's why reading in context is so important, because we'll miss the rich meaning behind this text. And the purpose for, I mean, this wasn't an accident that those two verses and those two verses beginning and after are, are present there. Uh, it's intentional, and Mark's doing it very purposefully, and we might miss it otherwise. So Matt, as we uh, come to our conclusion today, uh, we had four different things that we looked at when it comes to context as we read the Bible. Uh, what is the verse saying within the larger book or letter? How does this verse fit into the larger storyline of scripture? What's the historical context, and what is the social context? And so as we saw from Mark 14, 
it's really important to observe what the text is saying and, and really ask questions. Um, you know, we looked at just these, these verses here. We talked a little bit about why was Jesus dining with a leper? Why was it so important that the woman had poured all this perfume on, on Jesus? Why was Judas so angry that, that she was wasting uh, this perfume and not being able to sell it for money? There are so many different questions that we can ask if we take the time and be observant about the text that we're reading. And once we, we can understand some of the different uh, contexts that are being mentioned, it just provides a, a brand new picture for us of what the scripture really means. So as we close today's podcast, we hope this has been helpful to you as we uh, talk a little bit about what to look for when we're reading the Bible and how to read it well. And in a future uh, podcast, we're going to get into some other areas that uh, hopefully will help all of us uh, read the Bible with uh, better clarity and understanding. But uh, thank you for joining us for this episode of all, In All Seriosity. As we uh, have discussed in prior podcasts, we really would love to have your questions and comments. So please go to our website, which is www.gotgrace.info. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please share it and be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And please take a moment to rate and review. For more information about Grace Community Church, please check us out at www.gotgrace.info. Until next time.